1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Rubio, Florida. Good morning,
0: Senator. Great to have you back. Thanks for having me back.
1: Uh, How important are the Georgia Senate races to the Senate? And in particular, since you chair the Senate Intelligence Committee how important are they to the operations of the Senate Intelligence Committee?
0: Well, let me just say it generally for the Senate. You've seen what it means over the last two years. It's, you're not, they're not voting for two Senate seats in Georgia, although we have two extraordinary senators and candidates. They're voting whether or not they want Chuck Schumer to run the Senate. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden takes office. Uh, you know, Joe Biden becomes president. It, it could be the difference between a radical, crazy person running labor, treasury, the Department of Defense, what have you. Or someone we just don't agree with. I mean, it's that's it's, uh, but 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 isn't you know a radical crazy? Uh, I think the, uh, that's part part of it. And then the other part of it is, particularly in the in the Loeffler race, but I think of both of them. But Loeffler race more particular is, uh, the you know this uh, gentleman she's running against. Um, you know, every day something new comes out, uh, and I know you've been focused on that somewhat this morning as well, apparently. But the the video of him saying you can't serve God in the military would would is offensive. And would uh, come as a tremendous shock uh, to to the men and women uh, in uniform and their families who, in fact, put their lives on the line so he can have the freedom not just to worship but to say things like that.
1: Let me, let me play the clip for people who have just turned in. This surfaced yesterday afternoon, evening, by Pastor Warnock in a 2011 sermon delivered, it seems, uh, at the Ebenezer Baptist Church. It could be a different pulpit, but I believe it's the Ebenezer Church. Cut number four. America, nobody can serve God and the military. You can't serve God and money. You cannot serve God and Mammon at the same time. America, choose ye this day whom you will serve. Is that newsworthy, Senator Rubio?
0: Absolutely it is, because what he's basically saying, and, and look, I, the, the rhetorical point, the broader point, right, that you can't have two masters is different from saying that you can't serve God and the military. The issue is not whether you can serve God in the military. The issue is one of priority. But I'm, you know, obviously God should be our top priority. And I would tell you that for an enormous number of men and women in the military, God is their priority, and, and um, as it should be. That said, they have a job to do, and they do it well, and they do it so that people have the freedom to worship as they please and to say and have the freedom to speak and say the things they say. But I also think it's very insightful. This is the Democratic Party. This is who they are. And even if it's not the majority of their members, as they claim, these are the people who uh, raise a lot of money? This is the activist base. This is the people who get featured articles in magazines and on the front cover that have documentaries made about them. These are the stars of the Democratic Party. Hold these kinds of views, and they just try to hide it while they're running for office in a state like Georgia. But then it then obviously becomes apparent once they get in office.
1: Now, Senator, ours is a blue star family, and I am deeply offended by this. Uh, and I have talked to our blue star family members. And they are incredulous and then shocked and then outraged. Here is the follow-up. I went online this morning. It's been out for 16 hours. I covered it last night. It is covered on Fox News, and the rest of legacy media is absolutely silent as a cemetery. Not a word. Not a quote. Not an attempt to explain. I think you will recall Kelly uh, O'Donnell, uh, Christine O'Donnell. I think you will recall uh senator would be senator murdoch i think you'll recall senator would be senator todd aiken after they made outrageous statements the next day you probably had a microphone in your face asking for a comment is it not now incumbent on media to take this comment and not merely ask pastor warnick to amplify it but to ask john ossoff his very left-wing colleague who's running for the senate and chuck schumer and every democrat what they think about this
0: you know i think the media has always had bias because people are biased but I think the Trump years has given many people in the media what they believe is license to just finally take off the mask and, and, and just reveal who they really are. And the damage it's done to the media actually damages the country. I mean, we've reached a point now where there are major outlets out there that no matter what they report on, you know, half the country says that either are not watching or won't pay attention. And there's a lack of self-awareness. And it continues to be a tremendous, whether it's defensive defensiveness or a lack of self-awareness. Uh, so many in the media just don't care anymore. And, and in their mind, by the way, you know, part of it is that journalism, and there are journalists left. I'm not talking about everybody, but journalism is dead. I mean, today the pressure on these writers is to deliver some splashy headline and to focus on narratives that, that drive clicks on a website or viewers to a website or to a television station. And um, it is isn't coming on them to report it, but they won't, and, um, and that's no surprise. But the important thing is that the people in Georgia know about it before they go vote.
1: Now, now, Senator, I, I'm a transparently partisan journalist. I am very Republican. I'm a member of the party. And when I'm on Meet the Press, everybody knows that. When I'm on the radio, everybody knows that. But the the mask has got to be torn off because not to cover this Warnock comment, which is at least as outrageous as anything anyone who wants to be a United States senator has ever said because they have to fund the military is as revealing as anything out there and i just i'll i have another subject to discuss with you i just want to move on do you expect it will be covered anytime today by legacy media
0: i have no idea if they will or won't Uh, they may touch on it they may just totally ignore it and make the excuse that the pandemic is raging and they have to focus on that i have no expectation that they will but that's fine because we've got plenty of outlets now to reach the people we need to reach and to talk to people we need to talk to and let's, let's just hope social media doesn't decide to censor the story
1: all right. No, let, you're right. You're right about that. Let me ask you now about the, um, the nominees who will be coming up from President-elect Biden. If Susan Rice is nominated to be the Secretary of State, will you vote yes, no, or have you not made up your mind?
0: Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not fair for me to make a pronouncement like that. Here's the bottom line. Joe Biden is going to nominate people to positions if, if, if he takes office. He'll nominate people to positions that, frankly... I, don't, I would never nominate if I were president, and I, and I wouldn't support if I had my choice. But I do believe presidents deserve some deference in who they nominate. Now, obviously, there are things that could be disqualifying. And so let me just say I'm not going to make broad pronouncements about someone like Susan Rice, who I've limited interaction with. Uh, I, I will certainly sort of – the president will, will deserve some deference in that regard. And, uh, but I want to know more about what it is she intends to do as secretary of state on some key issues around the world and so forth and look at a record. There are others that I can tell you frankly with no disrespect to them on a personal level, but I mean I, I could never support – and I don't dislike Bernie Sanders, by the way. I mean I, th- I actually think – I admire the fact that he's pretty honest and transparent, that he's a socialist and has been so for a long time, although I strongly disagree with what he stands for. But I would never want him to see him as secretary of labor uh, I've, I've actually done bills with Elizabeth Warren on, on things that are good for the country that we agree on, but I'd I never want her to see her running Treasury or anything of that nature. So there are people I can tell you right now I would never support. Can you tell me if you would support
1: your colleague Chris Coons, with whom I am friendly, who has been on this show, and whom I have a great deal of admiration for because he is he's right about China. He has a good view of China. I, I, would you support him for Secretary of State? Do you feel comfortable saying that at this well, point?
0: Yeah, I know a lot more about him, right? Because I've worked with him on a lot of issues. I've generally found him to be someone who wants to talk to both sides and and, and reach. He's not a hyper partisan person. I think he's very serious and committed to things like human rights that we've worked together on and and, and also, uh, for example, has a keen interest in Africa. So uh, I respect him. I think he works hard. I think he's a good person. And um, obviously, there are some questions I'd like to ask him and some things I'd like to know about the way he'd want to take the State Department and how he views his role. So I wouldn't make a pronouncement, but I could certainly to tell you that, that he's someone who um uh, a lot of us are able to work with because frankly i think despite the fact that we vote differently many times he is a person who i think um you know is is generally trying to find what can we agree on and let's work on that
1: how about senator angus king who's tipped for the director of national intelligence
0: well i told angus that i'm going to easily sink his nomination by just saying he reminds me of john bolton because of the, mustache <laughs> and the, and the white hair and uh but, you know, Angus is a member of the Intelligence Committee. I've always found him to be uh, involved, uh, serious, works hard, asks the right questions. It's an important job, and um, and he's been in executive function before. So, I, again, I'm not going to predetermine outcomes on it, but again, it's someone who I know and have worked with, so I have a base of, of operation. See, the thing about it is, and a lot of people don't see this, 90% of what we do up here is generally not controversial and we work together on Um, the things we disagree on are the big things and the ones that get a lot of attention and and there are some people obviously that are hyper-partisan and and that's what they focus their work on but but Angus is one of those people that I vote differently on and have strong disagreements on intelligence matters and other matters but I found him to be hardworking and serious, and so I'd certainly you know give his uh, if, if in fact that's the decision that's made would give it you know serious consideration. but but again, we, it's premature, and who knows what could come up between now and then?
1: Now, you've been in the Senate a long time, so I want to wrap up on the rules under which Democrats have advanced or blocked President Trump's nominees for the past many years. They have slow walked every nominee. Many jobs have never been filled. Many district court judge nominees have never advanced to a hearing or a vote because they come from states with two Democratic senators. Looking forward to President-elect Biden's tenure, can Democrats expect anything other than what they have dealt out to President Trump's nominees? In other words, is there going to be a different set of rules? Are the Republicans going to get rolled again?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So there are two principles at play here. One is you don't want to become what you're against. and And so we certainly, you know don't want to become what we've been against and act like them. The flip side of it, however, is what you've just said, and that is there can't be two set of rules. You know, when Democratic presidents in office, they they get, you know, fast track nominations. When a Republican is, they don't. So I think that's a serious matter to discuss uh, and an important one. And, and I, would, I, would, I would say this. I do think that given what's occurred in the Senate over the last four years un, under President Trump, um, there'll be a lot less deference given to presidential appointments because there was zero deference given to the, uh, President Trump's appointments. And one of the funny things to see is when President Trump dismisses someone who was confirmed by the Senate but Democrats voted against, suddenly they become a hero of the Democratic Party. But when they were nominated, they were the worst person on earth, if you heard them and what they said about them. So, you look, I just there's no way that Biden nominations are going to be treated like they traditionally have been treated under previous presidents simply because of the, the atmosphere in the Senate has changed and, frankly, because of the way the Democrats have just been – so unfair during the Trump years on some of these nominees that they they simply oppose them because the the president is for them. I I almost joked that the president should say, I don't want this person confirmed, uh, nominate him and then say he's against them so that they would support him. I mean, that's how ridiculous it became.
1: Let me just drill down onto judges for just a second. California, which used to be my home, has got a number of district court vacancies that have languished with great trial lawyer nominees. They're not Democrats. They're not Republicans. They're just great lawyers. But they've languished because they come from two states. Uh, uh blue states with no blue slips returned uh is there a chance that in the lame duck democrats will open their eyes to what's going to happen to two red states i mean i don't imagine you and senator uh, scott are going to be in a hurry to nominate uh, to to support any district court judge sent forward by joe biden with a blue slip if they've done this to people like uh, rick richmond in california who won't get a blue slip from either kamala harris or diane feinstein will there be the same set of rules for district court judges
0: yeah. I, first of all, I would tell you point blank that given the blue slip issue, there, there is no way that any Democratic administration is going to appoint judges in Florida that we don't agree with. So it's just as simple as that. And and we'll have to be part of that process. And we've got a good process for that. And we've we've had great judges. And, and when we had great judges, many good people like came onto the bench while Obama was president. So there's a there's a way to do that. As for California, they're harming their own state at the end of the day. It's the federal courts there that, that are being backlogged by these unfilled vacancies in Florida. I believe we, we are going to be left with just one. One, vacancy and it's not even a vacancy it's a judge who's announced that he intends to retire once his um, once his replacement is, is is confirmed by the senate so we're in good shape in florida they're in terrible shape out west and and it, they'll have their senators to blame for it senator marco rubio as always a pleasure thank you for joining me senator hey thanks for having me thanks for listening
1: to the town hall review our program is coming today in partnership with the pepperdine graduate school of public policy